0: and i'm ash welcome to crime potatoes podcast grab your snacks get comfy and let's get to it Hey, potatoes welcome back to another episode another week another episode yes and before we get started with anything i just wanted to tell you guys The announcement that we have been kind of hinting towards is finally up on our Instagram. We are doing a giveaway and you will not want to miss out. So make sure you go follow us on Instagram at Crime Potatoes and you can just follow the directions there to make sure you can enter. There is a Crime Potatoes sweatshirt. So I promise you want this giveaway. Exciting stuff. (laughs) Yes. Lots more to come. Lots more exciting stuff coming, but this is kind of our first step into it. So we are super excited and it's going on for another week, a little over a week. So yeah, just make sure you go enter. All right, Kens, what are you snacking on tonight? So
1: I'm lame again and don't have snacks tonight. Just water. It's been a day. I just finished a Diet Dr. Pepper. And so now I'm just trying to Get some water in before I go. go to bed. You, <laughs> what about you? That's what are fair. you snacking on?
0: Well, it has also been a day for me, so I am drinking a Dr. Pepper right <laughs> now. <laughs> hey, and it looks like you got your um, strawberry and cream. Yes, strawberries and cream. Finally, they had it in stock, so I was able to get some um and then also for my snack i'm eating those yogis again that i told you guys about last week they are so freaking good so i really need to try these i really they do they are so good i i'm actually going to costco tomorrow and i you know i'm going to pick up like 5 of these things cuz they are so good i mean fair here's a little <laughs> asmr <laughs> just kidding <laughs> really it's just me smacking because you can't tell how good they are but just by me chewing so you can cut that out (laughs) (laughs) i don't know why i always try to do asmr it's fine the mic's right here and it's just asking me to (laughs) (laughs) sorry okay all right
1: well i guess that's that i guess this week is my turn and I have a different type of case. It is a survivor story. I'm excited. So it is the story of Terry Joe Duperalt. So my case sources are, of course, another book, which, of course, I'll recommend you guys read it, but you don't have What's to. New? It's, it's good, but not <laughs> as good as... Uh, the last episode that I did this book. So anyways, a book called Alone, Orphaned on the Ocean, allthingsinteresting.com, Wikipedia, medium.com, Readers Digest, and time.com. November 13th, 1961, at about 1235 p.m., a crew member aboard the oil tanker Gulf Lion saw a man frantically waving from a lifeboat, shouting, quote, Help! I have a dead baby on board! End quote. Crew members quickly pulled the man aboard, and sure enough, there in the lifeboat lay the lifeless body of a little girl. She was wearing a life jacket, but she was dead. The man identified himself as Julian Harvey, captain of the vessel Bluebell. Julian Harvey explained to the crew that he was on a voyage with his wife and friend Arthur Duperall and Arthur's family when at about 8.30 p.m. the night before, so November 12, 1961, the small vessel was suddenly hit by an intense windstorm, which caused the Bluebell's main mast to snap, slightly injuring his wife and Arthur and piercing the boat's hull. According to Julian Harvey, he was completely separated from everyone on board because of the fallen mast. He said he tried to find wire cutters from the cabin so that he could clear the deck, but then a fire suddenly broke out and he wasn't able to get to his wife or any of the Duperalt family. He was able to get the lifeboat unhooked and abandoned the Bluebell. Once in the lifeboat, he saw the body of seven-year-old Renee DuPeralt floating by. He immediately pulled her into the lifeboat and tried to revive her to no avail. He kept her in the lifeboat with him out of respect. Just a note here, it would later be revealed through an autopsy that Renee died of drowning. Anyways, moving on. Julian Harvey was taken to Nassau, I think that's how you pronounce that, Nassau, which is the capital of the Bahamas, where he was questioned by authorities. Although it was found that he had a bag full of survival supplies with him on the lifeboat, one of which was an emergency flare of which he never used during any of the commotion, his story could not be disproven, and he was allowed to return to Miami on November 15th, where he faced more questioning by the United States Coast Guard.
0: I mean, I don't know this where this is going, but I also like kind of feel like I know where it's going,
1: maybe, 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 on November sixteenth Julian Harvey repeated his story to the Coast Guard and was adamant about it being impossible to rescue his wife or anybody else throughout his story. Coast Guard investigators found many holes and started to feel doubt. Things just didn't add up. There was no windstorm or any storm for that matter reported in the area he says they were in. Not to mention that the way he said the mast broke, the vessel isn't, or the way the mast broke the vessel, it isn't possible or didn't make sense. And as for the fire, without going into technical terms, because I am no ship expert or boat expert or even like being on the water, (laughs) so I know nothing yeah (laughs) um i'm gonna trust the coast guard here and just say that it just didn't make sense they said julian harvey should have been able to stop the fire if it broke out where he claimed it broke out investigators decided to review what they had so far and told julian to come back the next day for more questions so november 17th julian harvey was back for more questioning in the middle of him describing more in detail of what he remembered of the night november 12th another officer came in interrupting the interview the officer said that someone from the bluebell had been rescued someone else had survived that someone else was 11-year-old Terry Joe Duperall.
0: And now the truth is going to come out, hopefully. Dun, dun, dun. Maybe. I won't jump ahead, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You're good.
1: This was great news, but Julian Harvey's demeanor immediately changed. It is said that he went completely pale and stammered out, quote, my god isn't that wonderful end quote shortly after julian harvey asked to be excused exclaiming he was tired and he needed to speak with his wife's family his request was granted but was told not to go far because this was still an investigation the next morning Julian Harvey was found in his hotel room where he had committed suicide by slashing his thighs, ankles, and jugular. He left a suicide note that had no explanations or apologies, but asked to be buried at sea. And then simply ended with the words, quote, I got too tired and nervous. I couldn't stand it any longer. End quote. So, what really happened on the night of November twelfth, nineteen sixty one, and why did it seem that Julian Harvey feared Terry Joe Duperault's rescue? Um, we'll find yeah, out. In I freaking part really want
0: to know. What? I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. Oh, I was like, <laughs> I was like, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't <laughs> um, approve this by me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Sorry, I, I don't know
1: why I had I was to really about to be
0: kind of pissed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you oh, ready?
1: We really are going to move
0: on. Well, that's horrible though. Like <laughs> the thighs and the ankles, like, yeah, oh, well, just everything. It makes me.
1: And to, yeah, I wasn't going to go into detail. Yeah. I can't even think of it. So Ugh. I know it makes me cringe. All right. Eighty four hours that's how long terry joe duperal was lost at sea no food no water all alone
0: 84 hours so that's like a little over three days yeah almost four days and for an 11 year old Mm -hmm. that's in the open ocean that is crazy yeah amazing wow okay yeah sorry no you're good
1: no it is yeah November 16th, 1961. Second officer of the Greek freighter, Captain Theo noticed a small white speck out on the open ocean. It didn't disappear, so it couldn't be a white wave that would come and go, and as they got closer, the second officer realized it was a small corked lifeboat, and on it was a very blonde little girl. He ran and got the captain, who, upon seeing the little girl, ordered the engines to be stopped. One of the officers on board the freighter captured a picture that is iconic to this day. It is of Terry joe looking up at the freighter before being pulled up on board and we will share this picture on our instagram page but it's it's crazy it's just Yeah. And as they went to rescue her, pull her up, the captain noticed sharks circling nearby. And so he yelled down to Terry and was like, don't jump into the water. Don't move. Just we will come to you. And sure enough, they gathered a bunch of barrels together because the lifeboat would have been too big to dropped down to get her so they put a couple of barrels down together and sent an officer down and pulled her up on board they immediately took her wow. to a spare cabin she was in and out of consciousness but managed to hoarsely identify herself as 11 year old terry joe Duperall. terry joe was badly sunburned her lips were so swollen and her hair had been bleached almost white by the sun The crew didn't mind waiting on her. They gave her water and orange juice, sponged salt from her body with wet towels, and applied Vaseline to her lips she managed to say one more word before slipping back out bluebell the captain of the captain theo immediately made contact with the united states coast guard and informed them of their discovery and terry joe's medical needs they sent out a rescue helicopter to the freighter and terry joe was airlifted to a miami hospital in critical condition Terry Jo slowly began re- recuperating, and after two days of being in hospital, she was able to tell the police and Coast Guard investigators the truth of November twelfth, 1961. I'm ready. <laughs> Dr. Arthur Duperall, an optometrist from Green Bay, Wisconsin, decided to charter a vessel, the Bluebell, and make a trip with his family starting from Fort Lauderdale, Florida and on to the Bahamas and back again. The Duperall family consisted of Arthur, his wife Jean, and their children, 14-year-old Brian, 11-year-old Terry Joe, and 7-year-old Renee. Arthur asked his friend and World War II veteran Julian Harvey to captain their vessel. Julian Harvey brought along his new wife, Mary Dean, to be the cook. By Terry Joe's accounts, and Julian Harvey's for that matter, the trip was going great. Terry Jo said there was little friction between everyone throughout the first five days of the vacation, but by the fifth night, things took a drastic turn. Terry Jo recalls going to bed early that night. She doesn't remember seeing Mary Dean Harvey before going to her bunk, but she said the rest of her family was still up on deck. Renee in her life vest and her father, Arthur, had just said that he would stay up on deck that whole night to help Julian with the steering. Terry Jo wasn't asleep for long when she was awoken by shouting and stamping, and she heard her brother yell, Daddy, help me. As she went upstairs to find out what all the commotion was she passed the main cabin below where she saw her mother and brother lying in what looked like a pool of blood not lingering she made her way up on deck julian harvey was walking toward her and she asked what happened julian harvey slapped her and shouted at her to quote get back down there end quote. terrified and in slight shock Terry Jo made her way back to her bunk. As she sat curled up on her bunk, water and oil began gushing onto the floor of her cabin. About 15 minutes later, Julian Harvey stood in the door of her cabin, holding what she said looked to be a rifle. He stared at her for a few moments before turning and going back on deck. Terry Jo states she then heard hammering sounds. She waited until the water began coming up over her bed, then she went back to the deck she again ran into Julian Harvey and asked if the boat was sinking. This time, he simply said yes. He handed her a rope, which she realized was attached to the lifeboat, but it slipped out of her hands. When realizing what happened, Julian Harvey dove in after it, leaving Terry Jo on the sinking vessel. But Terry Jo remembered her father showing her a smaller life raft on the boat. So she ran to it, got it loose, and was able to get it out on the ocean before the bluebell went under. And then she drifted for 84 hours praying to be rescued but she also stated that this whole time she never felt hungry and she never felt thirsty she just drifted for that long by the second night uh she remembers um, dark shadows underneath her and at first she she just watched them but she said she never felt afraid and they stayed with her for quite a while and uh, I can't remember, I, I should have wr- written it down, but it's a type of dolphin. They think it was a pot of dolphins that were staying near her, and maybe even possibly protecting her. But it's, it's, ugh, it's crazy.
0: Oh, I'm like thrilled for her, like amazed, but what she had to go through is insane. Seeing her family that way, if that she did see her mother and brother in a pool of blood, and then getting slapped and I don't know that's got to be so traumatic mm-hmm. I it's just amazing that she even is alive I don't know
1: as the they were listening to her story and she was finally revealing her side of what she saw when they asked her what she was feeling throughout this she said honestly I felt a calm and was able to focus and get out of there. And all I can say is she had a guardian angel watching over her.
0: 100% I'm trying to even think when I was eleven years old, I definitely think I would have been a panicker and I don't know.
1: I don't know. That's just I know. You never know how you're I'm going to react, but especially as eleven year old, I was not I don't think I would yeah. have been calm. <laughs> no. Or I would have frozen and done nothing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Same.
1: So, during her statements to investigators, Terry Jo was adamant that the mast of the bluebell was intact and there wasn't a fire on board. Investigators were in agreement that circumstantial evidence suggested foul play and did a deep dive into Julian Harvey and what they found was quite interesting. Investigation found that Julian Harvey, though a decorated World War II veteran Korean War pilot, he had a very hard time holding a job for any length of time he had some serious financial problems and even though he'd only been married to mary dean less than six months had recently put an insurance policy on her life not to mention that the bluebells owner had just hired julian harvey one month prior to the voyage with the Duperalt family
0: why people Money is not everything. Also,
1: Mary Dean was Harvey's fifth or sixth wife. I want to say sixth wife. And. His fourth wife and mother-in-law died in a suspicious automobile wreck in which Julian Harvey miraculously survived. And I will just say, look into his history yourself because this guy is a douche and definitely narcissistic, but I'm just not going to go into it because I don't want to make this a three-part episode. And make you guys mad at me so anyway the guy is just a cuss word so after gathering up all they could from the side of the wreckage and adding in what they found in his history and terry joe's accounts the investigators came up with a conclusion to what they believed happened and i think i agree They believe that while on this voyage with the Duperalts, Julian Harvey planned to kill his wife and collect on her life insurance. In the case that her death was accidental, the insurance would double, so he would receive about $40,000, which today would equal just under half a million. On the night of November 12th, they believe Arthur Duperal either witness Julian Harvey murder Mary Dean or him trying to dispose of her body. Because of this, Arthur Duberalt became collateral damage. Julian Harvey killed Arthur and then killed Jean and Brian Duberalt. They aren't sure why he didn't kill Terry Jo, maybe thinking she would just drown. They do believe, however, that he drowned Renee and retrieved her body to add credibility to his story when he was rescued. Investigators believed with the evidence they had and Terry Joe's eyewitness account, if Julian Harvey hadn't committed suicide, he would have been prosecuted for the murder of his wife and the Duperalt family and the attempted murder of Terry Joe Duperalt. Terry Joe's amazing escape from the sinking boat is something no 11 year old should have to experience especially alone and knowing her family is dead 84 hours alone and yet she survived to continue her family legacy today she is happily married she had three kids of her own and now grandchildren and that's the survival story of Terry Jo Duperall.
0: Wow, I, like I said before, I am so amazed and so happy like we have a survival story, but how horrible to have to go through that and lose your whole family and be on the ocean nonetheless. I feel like being on, if she was home or anywhere else, It might have been a little bit more you know she could have had somewhere to go but being stuck on the ocean with no idea where you're at no idea where you're going no idea when you're gonna be rescued if you're gonna be rescued yeah
1: oh it's it's insane and i didn't even go into a lot of detail of her time on the ocean alone but it's pretty incredible and i didn't even go into the full deep dive of Julian Harvey but his whole background and his whole story leading up to that night it just makes so much sense to why he would make the choices he did even though they were obviously the wrong choice and very devastating so if you want to go look more into that I highly suggest it Uh, yeah I, I don't know I just I know Terry Jo for a long time she struggled she went back home to Wisconsin I think her aunt and uncle took her into her home and treated her just like she was their own. And her kids actually called them grandma and grandpa when, when she had kids, but she did struggle. She struggled through a lot of relationships, but finally she did meet and marry her third husband, third husband, and they've been happily married since the nineties, but she did struggle. But it's, it's crazy again. I, when I was 11, I think I was still playing with brat dolls and I have such a fear of open water though. Those that know me, <laughs> I, you're lucky to get me to go to a lake or the ocean, but I will stay far back from the water. I do not like getting on it. I do not like swimming in it. So I would not have
0: survived <laughs> or I would have walked on water and ran all the way back home. <laughs> yeah. you're that scared as soon as you said that I imagine like the Oh what is it called? The roadrunner. Its yes. <laughs> legs moving in little like circles, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's it's incredible. Ugh, I honestly I can't even think about what I do. Right? Yeah. Well, not to is, mention I amazing. am also not a fan of the dark. So can you imagine the nights? Right? Oh, I can, I don't even like swimming in in swimming pools at yeah. night or if it's dark. Yeah. I mm, Yeah. Hard pass being in the ocean at night by yourself on a little lifeboat oh oh, no I could never I would die of fear immediately no
1: (laughs) yeah and she does say she now has a fear of dark water not necessarily water but just dark water which completely makes sense
0: yeah I don't I do not blame her at all yeah no it's pretty crazy well thank you for sharing that story that was it was a ended on kind of a happier note our survival story and it was our first survival story I know um well I guess it wasn't this is actually our second survival story what was our first our first was Jamie Kloss. oh that's right who was kidnapped but I mean, not that, not to put any saying her story wasn't, I don't know. No, I get what you mean, though. The
1: extent where there are two different types of survival stories, like, holy moly. Yes. Those girls are tough. And being as young as they yeah. were to experience both of yeah. what we did. Man, those girls are tough.
0: Yeah. I honestly, I don't think I would be. Yeah, same. Anyways, crazy. So thank you. That was, you did a great job sharing that story. Thank you. Thank you.
1: You're welcome. It was actually a kind of a fun story. I shouldn't say fun. That sounds terrible. Because <laughs> what we talk about,
0: but it was yeah. But a good. I get what you're saying though. It like was fun to research. It's cool and intriguing. Yeah. To, it was intriguing yeah. to deep
1: dive into it a little bit.
0: Yeah. All right. Well. Again, before we go, I just wanted to say one more time, make sure you're following us on Instagram at Crime Potatoes. We are also on TikTok at Crime Potatoes as well. And then our giveaway, of course, will be on Instagram and it's going for about another week. So make sure you go check it out. Yes. And invite your friends to check it out. Yes. Please do, and then if you feel so inclined, we would love if you would leave a five-star <laughs> review. It really helps us out. It does, and it helps get our show out there
1: into more listeners. So, but we appreciate you guys yes. for listening.
0: <laughs> yes, thanks to all of you who, who have shared um, and brought more, brought us more listeners. We are super grateful and just happy that we can continue doing this. Yes,
1: yes, yes, yes.
0: All right, well, we will see you next week for a brand new episode. Stay safe, potatoes. Bye. Bye.